Hi everyone, this is Andrew with Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. Typically I make up a name for myself, but not on the HIV episodes. So, you know, I probably still will make up a name. What's a good name? Um, okay, you know what? I'm gonna be Ash Ketchum. That's how I'll be. So I'm gonna be this week, I'm Ash Ketchum. And we're talking about prep, so you can be ass catch'em. And, I mean, you're really good in that, so. And nobody specifically, but I just think it works. If you are good at getting ass, you're ass catch'em. You're catching them all. I like it. Anyways, today's episode is Gay, Black, and Prepped for Sex. I got Danny here. Hi. He's going to be our guest today. And we're going to talk a little bit about some things that have to do with prep. HIV, answering some questions and responding to some things that I've heard in conversation about PrEP in general and PEP. And then when it comes to actually making sure you're still getting yourself tested and protected. But to interact with the podcast, find me on all the socials at Lifestyle of Gay Black Boy. Email is lifestylegbb at gmail.com. And then I feel like I'm forgetting something. Mm-mm. If I'm forgetting something, I'll come back to it. Okay. Just rate me on the stars at the bottom of the podcast page. Five stars would be great. Leave a comment review. Make me more visible. And we'll go from there. Danny, introduce yourself, because not everybody's listening has heard you before. Hi, I'm Danny, and I am a Leo. Ooh. <laughs> a fire sign. And a verse bottom. Okay. <laughs> I work in sexual education, sexual health, so this is kind of like right up my alley, uh, which I I love. I love talking about sex. I love talking about things that make people uncomfortable and just making it not uncomfortable for them. Okay. It's so much fun. And I have another podcast with Andrew, and that one is Some Meta Shit. So, if you are interested in my voice at all, then listen to it over there. You sound like you have a great throat. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. <laughs> okay. So, you also mentioned the fact that you're a fire sign. Is that why we're friends? Because I'm an air sign. Is fire and air mix? I think so. Because doesn't, like, air make fire stronger? That's true. Isn't that from Avatar? Yeah. See? Like those like um, firestorms. There you go. Fire-nado. Did you see that these shits are <laughs> happening? <laughs> the first time I heard that that was real, I died yeah. laughing. I was like, there's a tornado made of fire. You know you're going to die. Like, there is no escape. Yeah, basically. Yeah, Leo's a fire sign. Okay. Now that I know. Knowing matters. It's important information. So, getting through this and getting things started. First, let's talk about prep and why it's important. Mm-hmm. And I want to start there because, like, I know if you saw Frank Ocean's little event that he had a couple of months ago, I think, or like last month, it was like a party and it was called prep. And you're thinking like, oh, okay, this is going to have something to do with prep. Had nothing to do with it. It sparked some conversation about what people want to know prep was. So what is prep day? So PrEP is, in simple terms, a once-a-day medication that is taken to reduce the risk of contracting HIV by up to 99%. There's a lot more to it. How deep do you want me to get? I want you to get as deep as to where it won't get confusing with medical terms. Like, just overly saturated, like we're reading Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Uh, basically, it covers your cells so that the virus can't replicate in your blood. And it basically just dies out so that if you become exposed to the virus, you're actually not able to get infected. It's 
very minimal side effects. If any, you mean I've been on it for, I want to say, three years now. Yeah. And I've had zero side effects from it um, that I've noticed. And people that do experience side effects, it's just, like, not just, because, I mean, it can suck. But it's, like, nausea, headaches, diarrhea, uh, strange dreams. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting. Um, fatigue. But they should subside within like two weeks, so you'll only have them for up, up to a month, typically. Okay. See, the prep drugs that I know about that keep the virus from entering your cells, it's an interesting juxtaposition of what I take being positive, because it keeps the virus inside of the cells and stops it from replicating. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to see the difference here. Yeah, it's like Sword and Shield. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the good Pokemon. You've got the okay ones. <laughs> so, when it comes to PrEP, there's also PEP. What is PEP? So, PEP is like... So, I always compare uh, PrEP to birth control. So, basically, you take it every day to prevent pregnancy prep you take every day to prevent um hiv mm. and i compare pep to the morning after pill okay so if you think you might have gotten pregnant you take plan b if you think you might have been exposed to hiv you take pep so you have up to 72 hours just like uh, plan b to take it and it will basically prevent you from contracting hiv that one is two pills, typically. Okay. Um, there's different types of PEP. Um, there's also different types of PrEP. There's two approved medications for PrEP. One of them is Truvada, which is like the OG. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of a big pill. It's blue. So those of you who like blue. A big old blue pill. Not that blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you got those mixed up. <laughs> My God. And the other one is uh, Discovy, which has been recently approved about a month-ish or so ago. Um, it's significantly smaller, but they're both just as effective. And the only thing is that Discovy has not been approved for people with vaginas because there's has there hasn't been enough study into the effectiveness in the vagina as as far as like the rectal tissue and like the penis and everywhere else on the body. Right. Uh, that's been studied. Okay. It's such a difference when I hear it talked about for people with vaginas and then people who have penises. Because you look at it one way, the people who have penises, they're definitely having sex, but the people with vaginas are definitely having just as much sex. But it seems like there's more of a study for men right now. Yeah. Or more information for yeah. people with penises, I'll say. Yeah, it's like slightly misogynistic. Yeah. Um, but Truvada has been approved for people with vaginas. So at this time, if a woman or a trans man comes in, then they would typically be prescribed Truvada. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, Truvada also treats... Hep B, hepatitis B. So if you have hepatitis B and you are on prep, you could just take Truvada to address both. Two birds with one stone. Basically. I like that. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, I'm not going to say, oh, let me go get some hep so I can get on prep. No, this is not going to work. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I would not suggest that to any person in this world. Do not listen to me when I say that because it's terrible. Um, so, when you are explaining this to people, how effective does it feel for you that it's actually going to change how they maybe behave sexually, I would say? What do you mean? So, let's say you're having the conversation with somebody and they do want to get on prep, but... They don't know the full details. So then you explain it to them about it's a way to prevent HIV. 
have you noticed or have you seen when someone's like, well, this means I can just be as sexually active as I want to and not protect myself because I've already got something going? So from what I've noticed is that there's no change in activity okay. to like what you were doing before and after. Um, if you had multiple partners before prep, you may continue that same pattern afterwards. If you had uh, a lot of contemplative sex, you may continue that after. If you didn't, then prep typically doesn't have an impact where people suddenly decide to have more partners because of it. Yeah. Um, so there's not like a direct correlation. I think it's more that it does potentially help reduce the anxiety from something that they've been wanting to do already. Um, but it's not like it's a prompt to change a behavior. It's not a gateway. Yeah. Okay. I only asked that because there was a conversation that I was a part of where it was presented as if you're on prep, it means you're just being slutty. Yeah. And yeah, that's a huge yeah. stigma around prep is that, oh, you only are on prep because you uh, have a lot of partners, because you have kind of less sex, because you whatever. And it's like, no, you should be on prep if you are at any risk of contracting HIV. Yeah. Um, and that's a good amount of the population. People think that they're not at risk for contracting HIV, but they're out there having condomless sex. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, I only have like two, three partners and I know that they're negative, that they're healthy. It's like, okay, so your two, three partners though, how many partners do they have? Mm -hmm. Are they using a condom with those partners? Do you know the status of those partners? Well, no, but well, then that's, that's what prep is for right right um because you can get it from someone who was healthy the first time you had sex and then the next time you had sex they had sex with two other people in between and they may have contracted something mm-hmm. it's something that i i haven't personally thought about in a way of not i'm just spreading it out here for everybody but it's like you don't even think about it sometimes when you're in like, let's say a friends with benefits situation where, yes, you're having sex with this person, but you don't know who they're having sex with and you want to protect yourself. And even times where I'm just like, oh, I'm not thinking about it. Or I'm just like, well, I can't be the only person this person's sleeping with, or maybe I am, but I don't want to have to even guess. Yeah. Like, I'd rather just protect myself right from the beginning. Yeah, and that's why it's it's the only thing that you can do that you know is being done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas the other person may say, oh, I'm only having sex with you. So you're like, well, I'm not going to go on prep. Meanwhile, you're not. And you don't know that. So what, what you would know is that if you're taking prep every day, then you should be protected. Yeah. Um, that's why even though, um, you know, there's the whole like you equals you campaign, um, undetectable equals untransmittable, we still typically recommend the other person that gets on prep, their partner, not because the person who is undetectable is going to transmit the disease, but because in order for someone to rem- to be untransmittable, they have to remain undetectable, which is an ongoing process. So you can't control that like, oh, my partner is undetectable, but I'm not the one taking that pill every day. So I don't know if they are. So just to have that double coverage... It's like, I know that I can, this is what I can do to guarantee my safety. Um, And it's not about, like, not trusting your partner, but it's about just having that extra layer of protection. Yeah. I can see it. So that's how I kind of look at that. See, I like that you took it there because I was going to ask you that. How would you bring up the conversation to your partner where you're already negative Maybe you do know their status, you don't know their status, but you're just like, hey, I think we should get on prep. How would you have that conversation? Hmm. I mean, I guess it's it's easier for me just because I'm so comfortable talking about all this. 
Um, I know that for some people it's a lot more difficult to go out and be like, hey, I want to do this medication. Um, and I mean, that's also under the assumption that it's a, like, relationship as opposed to, like, just a sexual partner, like, a friends with benefits, a hookup. Um, because with those, yeah, you should be having conversations, but you shouldn't also have to ask permission yeah. to be in prep. Um, but even in a relationship, you shouldn't have to ask permission. You should be letting them know if you choose to. I mean, you technically don't even have to let your partner know. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I entered a relationship, uh, I was already on on Truvada, and I told my boyfriend, like, hey, I'm going to keep taking this yeah. just because. And I knew he was negative, or he is negative, um, and that we had agreed that um, when we started our relationship, it was going to be just monogamous, but I said, hey, I want to just keep taking this just because who knows what will happen down the road. Right. Right? It can be either, hey, we break up, and then I have to start the process all over again, or it can be like, hey, um, we decide that we're going to have an open relationship, or hey, um, something happens. Right. Like a needle stick, for example, because PrEP is also effective against like needle sticks or uh, like shared injection drugs and things like that. And I just want to be protected for that. Um, you know, another reason why um, I say, you know, you have to start over is because on PrEP, you actually have to take it for seven days for it to be effective in the rectal tissue. And then you have to wait 21 days for it to be effective in the rest of the body. So it's not going to be like, hey, I can just start taking it, pick it back up. Whenever it's like, hey, this is going to take some time to get to that effect, to, the, to that level of effectiveness. Gotcha. See, I wouldn't have even thought of that. Just because since I'm not taking PrEP, since I'm already on treatment drugs, mm-hmm. it's like... You know what they tell you, the same things of, it's going to take days for the drugs to become effective. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to have a little weird side effects, which can happen. Which, talking about side effects earlier, my old drug that I used to take gave me terrible dreams, like terrible nightmares. Mm-hmm. So I would always take it when I could stay awake. And it was like fighting to stay awake, like it was trying to put you to sleep. But I just think about those things and these conversations that I would never have had or known that could have to happen. So, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Now, when you are meeting with somebody for PrEP and you're going to start the process, can you explain what it is in that intake process for somebody who's going in for the first time and is going to ask their doctor and maybe start taking PrEP? Yeah, I mean... The way we do it, where I'm working, is that we do same-day prep. Mm-hmm. So if you come in for prep, you leave that day with prep. Um, so that's kind of like a nice like guarantee where it's like if you're coming in for something, you're going to leave with it. Um, basically, the intake process is a discussion of your overall sexual health history, activity. Um, it also includes a lot of explaining the basics and understanding of prep as far as the side effects how to take it when to take it it's also talking about you know like i said before the time it takes to protect you and the importance of adherence things like that a big part of the conversation is talking about you know what are your potential risks and some counseling around uh, sexual health and how uh, risk can be reduced if that's what you're looking for. Okay. Then we also do some insurance navigation just to make sure that in, in well, we're in New York and in New York there's a lot of assistance. We have a lot of access. So in most cases, PrEP can be free to low cost as far as the services and the medication. So... We do some insurance navigation where 
we assess for different programs, apply to different things so that we can get you the, the services for as low cost as possible. Gotcha. Then you also see, because um, you see one of us, which is like a prevention navigator, we do the sexual health counseling, we do the adherence information, we take all the sexual health history, and then we, then you see a nurse, and then you see a provider, and the provider actually fills the prescription and everything. Okay. Gotcha. It sounds like a very smooth process. Yeah. Like, no pain, really. Now, is there a blood test that you take before you're actually giving your PrEP or the prescription for it? So, you need to be negative to start on PrEP. Um, so, we do a rapid HIV at your intake appointment. That okay. takes 20 minutes. So, your intake appointment, you're looking at 40 minutes to an hour for the first appointment. For follow-up appointments, you're looking at like 30 to 40. Okay. And that's every three months. Same with me. Yeah. Well, no, actually, no, I'm at every six months, but... Yeah, eventually we yeah. can get you in every six months, in yeah. some cases, um, depending on your circumstance, but, yeah, and then every three months you'll be doing, like, an HIV test, because uh, regulation requires that you have an HIV test on file every three months that's negative before a provider can re-prescribe. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, we're going to take it right here. We'll be back. I'm going to pour a drink and, you know, thanks. Cool. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Today's episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy is sponsored by Anchor. If you're not familiar with Anchor, let's talk about it for a little bit because it's not something that's going to tie you down to the bottom of the ocean. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. And everybody knows a girl loves free. Free is better than skinny. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. They do all of the work for you. I mean, look at this. You can hear my crazy whiny voice on over 10 platforms already. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And then you can have your voice out there like this little girl here. So check it out, y'all. And let's get back to the show. Hey, everybody. This is Danny. Hey, this is Andrew. And we are your hosts of Some Meta Shit. So if you haven't listened yet, you should definitely check it out. It's our new podcast uh, that's been out for quite a bit now. Just, uh, I want to say like just over a month. Yeah. And we do a lot of conversation about how we conversate or converse. Converse. In I can like the word conversate. I can't yeah. lie. Now, if you haven't heard it yet, you should definitely check it out. We're available on quite a few platforms. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Anchor. We're on Spotify. We're on all these motherfuckers. We're here. We're talking about language and the language that we use every single day. Um, Language is important. This is how we communicate as humans, as individuals, and beings in this world. But let me tell you something. When you talk about language and you talk about yourself, you read yourself all at the same goddamn time. Absolutely. Some meta shit is available for you to get into this conversation, and we want you to participate. So how can we do that? Um, You can hit us on the socials. You can follow us on our social media accounts. You can email us at somemetashit at gmail.com. And... Yeah, just give us your feedback. Let us know what you're thinking. Tell us how you're using these words. We have quite a good selection of episodes so far. We've got things like healthy versus clean. We've got things like kinky versus perverted. We are looking for new um, new ideas. So if you have any ideas, absolutely just shoot us a message and let us know. I mean, words have meaning and meaning means things. Right. Come get meta with us because meta is meta. Trippy, right? And bye, y'all. That's some meta shit. (laughs) All right, guys, we're back. Um, So let's just jump right back into it. 
because there's some things that questions that were brought to me where some people were a little confused on it and I'm confused at times because there's different campaigns that are out there and sometimes you want to get involved in these things you want to know where to go to or where to start so tell me about some of the campaigns that you participate in know about or can educate others on where to start getting information so there's a couple different ones out there there's like a lot of like local campaigns and marketing that's done and then there's like more widespread campaigns marketing like U equals U is more of a widespread the undetectable equals untransmittable and that's to raise awareness that people with HIV are unable to transmit HIV like they they are like physically unable to so even through sex or through sex I should specify that um so through sex, they can have unprotected sex, and there is no possibility of transmitting that disease. Um, and it's important that people know that because it reduces stigma around HIV. It helps people understand a little better um, the the importance of being healthy while HIV positive, because it's obviously possible for an HIV person to live a healthy life, a long, healthy life. So that's U equals U. Um, I'm not sure where it originated, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest, but that's like a widespread campaign that's been going on. Then there's New York State is, has End the Epidemic 2020. And that's looking at basically reducing the number of new diagnoses by the end of 2020. Not by the beginning. Because we're only a few months. Yes. But that may be expanded in the future, you know, because uh, we'll see when the time comes. There's definitely been some decrease in certain communities, but we want to get into all communities. There has for example, not been a significant decrease. And this is in New York State I'm talking about. There has not been a significant decrease in newly uh, newly diagnosed trans patients. Okay. So there's certain populations that there are fewer diagnoses, new diagnoses, but in trans patients, we're looking at about the same level still. Like the same rate? Yeah. So... And it's it's really pressing at the idea that the the most dangerous HIV status is unknown, which is something I definitely believe in. Because if you're HIV negative, you should be taking actions to stay negative, whether that be whatever type of harm reduction approach that you take. For some people, it may mean abstinence. For some people, it may mean using condoms. For some people, it may mean having a monogamous relationship. For some people, it may mean prep. For some people, it may mean oral sex only. That really takes... That's really up to the individual to decide how they're going to approach staying negative. Now, then we look at the HIV-positive individuals, and it's about reducing the risk of transmitting HIV, and that's where U equals U comes in. Um, I know right now one of the most popular meds is Victarbi, mm-hmm. and that's what um, a lot of people are using for treatment nowadays, and that is going to suppress the viral load down to where you can't transmit the disease. So that's two parts of the approach. And then the third part of the approach for the epidemic is to get everybody tested who doesn't know their status so that unknown part so identify are you positive are you negative and how can you prevent the spread of hiv once you know your status but before that if you don't know your status you really are at potential danger or potentially putting others at danger that's true i understand and agree with it completely the unknown status is just quite scary i don't know many people who have sex that don't at least think hey maybe I should go get tested I mean once in your life you're going to have that thought 
you have that thought, go get tested. Yeah. Even if it's that. I mean, you should get tested on a regular basis. Me, it's every three to six months, depending on when a doctor's appointment is coming up or whatever. Three months is what I like to keep it at. So I'm just like, okay, I know everything's good. I haven't been acting crazy out here, but even if I was, my crazy is my crazy and I love it, but I still want to do it safely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's important to bring up is that regular testing is absolutely harm reduction. Um, because it leads to treatment, and that's not just with HIV, that's with uh, gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, all STIs. So, you should be getting regular STI testing as well, yeah. Um, because actually, having an STI increases your risk of contracting HIV because your the way your immune system becomes set up after an STI, you are more likely to get the virus if you're exposed to it, the HIV virus if you're exposed to it, which a lot of people don't know. So if you've had like gonorrhea and it's treated, you're still at a higher risk than someone who has never had gonorrhea. Gotcha. That's a good thing to know because I know a lot of people who will post online and things that I've seen, just looking at different forums for different conversations about, you know, PrEP is a miracle, I can just do whatever I want, but still have not taken into account that there are still other STIs that are out there. Absolutely. And I was like, it was last year or something I was reading, or no, maybe actually would have been this year, that syphilis rates were actually getting higher mm-hmm. until people were starting to still educate themselves, saying that, hey, just because I use PrEP doesn't mean I'm free from all worry. Yeah, yeah. And then we have actually in where we are right now, uh, our county has one of the highest rates of STIs. Uh, it's like significantly spiked here in Monroe County. Um, and that's kind of scary because it's like, that, that means it's going around and people aren't uh, taking preventative measures all the time. And I think another big component of, which is a simple, like probably one of the simplest things that you can do to prevent, uh, you know, infection of any STI is having conversations with your partners, ask about their status. And that's even before, even, even if it's a hookup, like, Hey, I, you can just, you're chatting online. You're just like, Hey, I got tested last week and everything came back negative. What about you? Um, or um, negative, I get tested every three months, do you get tested? Yeah. And I know for some people it's awkward, but also, is it as awkward as... Is, is it as awkward as, like, anything else? Like, yeah, like, I mean, it's normal. It's, it's a conversation. And once you are able to have those conversations, you actually feel so much more comfortable with it once you do it once twice three times yeah. it just becomes second nature and it's not that big a deal it really isn't yeah like everyone has sex it's normal to have an sti mm-hmm. it's normal like a cold yeah and if someone's like oh well i haven't been tested in like seven months or like three years well maybe that's something that you should consider maybe they're not the person that you may want to hook up with at that moment Um, and it just raises awareness in your own mind and that's the nice thing about PrEP having all these sexual health conversations every three months actually makes you more aware when you're out there having sex yeah that's very true very very true like anytime I end up going to my doctors and just having a conversation even if I haven't had sex within the time frame before that visit I'm still like you know what I just want to go and have this conversation with the next person especially if we're going to be hooking up and I feel like it's so much easier to just say it now these days where it's just like anytime I talk to somebody and I know it's going to go to a space where there will be sexual activity we're fighting crime together which I have to bring that back because fighting crime is amazing. <laughs> but in a case where I'm going to do something with somebody, I'm like, hey, I am HIV positive. I'm undetectable, just so you know. And the last time I got tested was this date. How about you? Because mm-hmm. it's just like, let's get this out the way now. 
talk about the conversation because I can only imagine how hard it can go to somebody where you're like, okay, well, I hooked up with this person, didn't tell them my status, then I go get tested and find out that I am positive for whatever and then having to go have that conversation. Yeah. That is way harder of a conversation than it is to say, this is when I've been tested or no, I haven't been tested. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always easier to have that preventative conversation than to have that conversation of like, I gave you chlamydia. Yeah. Um, another like fun fact about like chlamydia and gonorrhea that people don't consider is that gonorrhea and chlamydia are site specific. So just because you're peeing in a cup, you are not checking for gonorrhea and chlamydia the rest of your body. Um, that's only checking your genitals. So it's recommended that if you are having any kind of oral sex, that you do a throat swab to check for gonorrhea and chlamydia. If you're having any kind of anal sex, or, or if you're having receptive anal sex, or you're being rimmed, then you are prone to gonorrhea and chlamydia in the anus, and that requires a rectal swab. So for a lot of people, they only do the urine test. They're like, oh, well, it'll pick up if I have gonorrhea and chlamydia. It won't. And they're like buddies. They're like good Judies. So if you get one, you're you're at a much, much, much higher probability of having the other one too. Yeah, they're totally Jack and Jill. Yeah. Like they went up the hill, they gave you water, (laughs) and it's not cute water. (laughs) Yeah, I don't mind being discriminative against the virus itself, not the people who catch it. Right. Like the virus is a bit stupid, but you can cure it. It is something that is treatable. Yeah. So I think I know so many people panic when they hear I've got an STD or I've got an STI and panic is probably your worst reaction, even though it's natural because you're going to want to freak out and flee and run, but it's better to go get yourself treated, get yourself on a safety plan. So that way you know how to prepare for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes even just having that conversation with, uh, partner or a potential partner of like hey I get tested may bring them to realize that hey maybe I should get tested and then maybe they'll bring it up to somebody else and then everyone's getting tested and it reduces the risk of getting any STIs because if that one person that maybe had chlamydia for like a whole year and didn't know never got tested everyone they've had sex with has been exposed to chlamydia. And everyone those people had sex with may be exposed to chlamydia. And everyone they get, just because one individual didn't get tested. So, by having more people be tested regularly, it really decreases the risk of exposures. I get that. I think about when I found out I was positive, and I had to go meet with people from the CDC. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, they wanted a list of just everybody that had any kind of interaction with. Even if I couldn't remember their name, they're like, do you remember where they lived at? Do you remember where you guys had sex at? A description of the person, because they wanted to know and notify everybody that I could have exposed, since I didn't know I was positive at the time. And it's such a weird situation to be in, because one, you've got people you've never met before asking you something very intimate, but two, you're like, damn, how many lives did I affect by not being responsible about my sexual health? Mm -hmm. So it's definitely good to be preventative and not reactive in this situation. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. So tell me about some of the stigmas that you have encountered when it comes with PrEP, PEP, being sexually healthily conscious. Like, what are some of the stigmas that you faced or have come into contact with? So... One definitely is during outreach, we put condoms out on the table that are up for grabs. And there's a lot of people that like come over and they're like, can you put some of those in a bag and give me the bag? Because they're embarrassed to ask for condoms. And it's like, you shouldn't be embarrassed that you are taking steps to protect yourself. You shouldn't be embarrassed at the fact that you use condoms. Like, you have sex. So does majority of the population. Right. So I think that's definitely a stigma around condoms that I've often seen. There's deers fucking outside right now. (laughs) I saw deer sex. They are doing it without walls around them. So (laughs) don't be ashamed. 
So that's a big one. Another one is for um, young adults who are still on their parents' insurance and don't want to tell their parents they're on property. And because their parents will get bills through the insurance. Or if they can look at the prescription list, they can see that they've been prescribed Truvada or Discopia and they may question it. And they're not ready to have those conversations. Some of them may not be out to the family if they're part of the LGBTQ community. So that can kind of become a barrier. Okay. Insurance and affordability are a big barrier. Um, But, I mean, there's options. You are actually, if you have, and it's not the perfect system, but it's an option. You can have your insurance bill, your bills to a different address or your explanation of benefits to a different address than to, you know, where your parents have it set up. Mm-hmm. The shortcoming being that they can still go online and look at those bills, but they would have to be actively seeking them out. Right. Um, not a lot of people do that. It's not so, the easiest thing to do. Yeah, so, I mean, if your parents are older, then that's potentially a way around that. Another way is to ask to come off of your parents' insurance and sign up for your own if you're a student you will likely qualify for medicaid um it's just about having that conversation that you want your own insurance yeah and and for some people it's just about going to their parents and being like hey i'm taking this medication like why to protect myself yeah um it really depends on your family dynamic yeah and your family's perspectives and point of view I'd say definitely have the conversation with your family, but only if it's a safe space or if you know you can go to a safe space and have this conversation. Right. Because it, I have seen and heard just from other people in conversations and friends who are in households where all of a sudden their parents or whoever they're living with found out that they were taking prep and immediately turned to a situation where they felt victimized right away of like, how dare you go and take this? This means you're having sex, and now we have to know this, mm-hmm. and nobody should feel that. Right. I don't feel like you should not be ashamed that you're having sex. Yeah, and if you're a parent, you shouldn't ever be that parent that's like, oh, my kids aren't going to have sex, or I'm not going to let my kids have sex like they need your permission. Right. Like, if they're doing it consensually with, in the means of the law, mm-hmm. then... It is not your decision to be like, you can't have sex until you're married. Right. Even if someone did that to you. Because then that's just, like, the cycle. I'll tell you, it's causing trauma. Yeah. You are causing trauma to your child when you do something like that to them. Now, you do not have to approve of the fact that maybe they're going to be sexual active. You don't have to approve of the fact that it's not happening at your house because you won't allow it at your house. But things happen. And I'd rather have my child protected and at least educated on what could happen as opposed to keeping them in the dark and just saying, no, you can't do this. Right. If you don't have those conversations with your children, you are increasing because if they're going to have sex, they're going to have sex whether you say it's okay or not. But what you are doing is that you're increasing the likelihood that they won't use a condom because you are decreasing their access to a condom. You are increasing their likeliness to contract an STI or HIV. You are increasing their, um, or no, you're decreasing their self-esteem because they feel like they're doing something wrong. And it's, it's very, like you said, traumatizing the whole idea that I'm going to control this one aspect of your life um, and I'm going to put you in harm's way because I don't approve. Mm-hmm. It's a scary thing. I've seen it. I've heard it happen. And it's just like, it's no judgment call against your parenting. I don't want it to come off that way. But it is a call to say you are actually setting your child up for failure at that point because we all want to be safe. We all want to make sure that things are in order and line, but we know we're humans. Mistakes happen. Sometimes you just end up having sex. It's just what happens. Yeah. And if you can't 
be in a space where you can at least have the education to fall back on of, okay, I should be doing this, or maybe this is not the best scenario, but it's going to happen. Why not be protected in a way where you took one pill a day, you don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's also important that, like, if you have any, like, youth in your lives that you can be that person they go to for, go to for that, then be that person. Because if they can't go to their parents, or even if they can go to their parents, they may just not be comfortable going to their parents. Yeah. But if just by being, like, an ear for them, you can give them information that they need mm-hmm. and want. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the way I look at it, it's your child, it's your friend, it's whoever comes to you for advice or just wants to be there to make a good decision. And you're not hurting them by providing them education. You're not hurting them at all. Quite frankly, you could be helping them. And when they know they have that safe space to come and talk to, it turns out to be really good. Right. It turns out to be fantastic. And I think that's what I like about it, is that it opens the door for a space to have conversation, especially with the prep campaigns that are out there that I've seen just all over the country. And mm-hmm. it, it seems like part of it is about making the conversation easier and just being out there. Because, like, I think, like, nights we've gone out to a bar or a club or something, and you grab, like, a handful of condoms out the bowl. Sometimes in the past, I used to feel like, well, damn, I guess people are just going to be staring at me taking a shitload of condoms. Like, oh, he's a whore. But... That was me bringing my own reflection onto myself. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what they think. Right. Because at the end of the day, I'm still having sex and they're not the person I'm having sex with in my bedroom. Right. And I got to protect myself. Mm-hmm. So we're getting close to ending it here. But I want to ask you to leave the listeners with one gem of knowledge or something that you feel you want to impart on somebody when it comes to anything about being conscious about your health your body, your mind, sex. Maybe you want to talk about getting a big old pink dildo. It's okay. Okay, oh, that's putting me on the spot. Uh, all right, so like, one thing about sex is that there are, there's always a safe way to do whatever you're doing. Whether that be rough sex, whether that be kinky sex, whether that be fisting, whether it be whatever, gangbang, orgy, whatever, there's always something that you can do to make it safer. So if you think about that, like those examples, rough sex, how can you make rough sex safer? One thing, having a safe word. Having a safe word. I love it rough. This is not a thing for anybody to get in my mentions, but I love rough sex. Right. I love to have a gangbang. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I'm protected, one. Two, knowing that there is a signal to say, I am not comfortable with this. This is no longer enjoyable to me. Protect it right there. Yeah. Another one is setting your boundaries and making them clear. Mm-hmm. So that when you use that safe word, they understand why. And that's super important, not just in, like, sex, but in, like, all your relationships and in life. Set your boundaries, know your own boundaries, know your limits. And another one is going to be using proper lubrication. Believe it or not, people sometimes can have anal sex without lube. And even though they're able to have the sex it actually increases the risks of micro tears which increases the risk of sti transmission same with uh, people with vaginas as you get older vaginal secretions lessen get a little drier down there and you need lube otherwise you're causing micro tears which increases the risk of stis so these there's always something you can do that's going to make things safer at the end of the day so think about what you like and think about what you may already do or if you don't do anything what you can do to make your sex life more safe I like that I like that 
everything can be made safe. Yeah. See, you just dropped a gem on me. Because now I've started thinking about baby-proofing my house for sex. Like, <laughs> you know, I just totally almost swallow my tongue there. But baby-proofing my house for sex. Like, make it a safe space. So that way, the next time I tell somebody to step on my face, it's safely done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Danny. Thank you for coming yes. and doing this. Um, Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We will have a second, well, third episode next month for more HIV health awareness. I haven't decided the track that's going on. I may ask you to come back. Okay. Or I may just say, hey, watch through my blinds. Cool. It's okay. (laughs) Sounds good. But give your information. Tell about yourself. Um, You can follow me on the socials. I am currently Riddle Me Danny on Twitter. I saw you switch that and I freaking love it. Yeah, and I am currently Danny Velveeta on Instagram. I'm not sure if there's a period or not, but I'm somewhere on Andrew's page, so hey. I'll, I'll be tagged in some stuff, so feel free to look for me. And I don't have me on Facebook, um, but feel free to follow the podcast page, um, facebook.com slash shit. Uh, listen to us on anchor.fm slash metashit. Follow us on Twitter at some metapod and on Instagram at some metashit. And if you have any questions you want to have me on your podcast or some shit, let me know. I'm cool, but not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's the cool kid at the table who doesn't talk to all the other cool kids. Because he's that cool. He's like, you bitches are just in my gravity. <laughs> no, I'm like a quiet cool kid. Yes. I'm a low-key cool kid. He likes Ness on Smash. You already know he's a good person. <laughs> Which me and Cody unlocked Lucas yesterday. Oh, yes. So Lucas is now available. Yes. <laughs> Finally. I've been trying to unlock him. Well, guys, I am going to call it here. If you are out tonight, come down to Roar. If you're listening to this and it's not Thursday, December 5th. Is it the 5th? Is it the 6th? Wednesday the 5th. Is it Wednesday or Thursday? It's Wednesday. Oh, man. Is it the 6th? It's the 5th. It's the 5th. Okay. So, now that it's the 5th, if it's December 5th, year 2019, come down to Roar. We're having a show tonight. It'll be tons of fun. Also, make sure to check us out again. Some meta shit. We're on all the socials. Follow the podcast page at Lifestyle GBB. Um, also, Lifestyle of Gay Black Boy. You can find me there. Rate and share this podcast. We got to get out of here. But have a great week. And also, if you have a Nintendo Switch, add me. Because I just got one not too Ooh. long ago. And I don't know the number right now off the top of my head, but if you message me on any of the socials, we can be friends. I'll post it too because I'm buying a Switch this weekend. I'm so excited. Okay. Right, bye. Bye.